You're listening to Regen, formerly known as the Regenerate Podcast, a ministry of River City Church in Lewiston, Idaho. For more information about Regen, visit rivercitychurch.us. The following sermon was originally preached during the fall of 2018. We hope you enjoy the special archival content from Regen. <laughs> My name is Ryan. Um, I I went to school here. I had classes in this room a long time ago. It's kind of funny. Uh, I I have I've been married for twelve years. Uh, for twelve years, I've got three kids. All three of them were actually in that video. Uh, and so even when Bree was asking, "Is anybody like kids?" I'm like. I like my kids. Uh, That might be about it, but I like my kids. I like watching other people's kids go home with other people. That's how I feel. Uh, I have the privilege tonight of continuing. You guys are going through Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to continue on in chapter. I was joking. Chapter four. We're actually going. We're in chapter three tonight, Uh, and so I am prepared for this. I promise. Okay. Ecclesiastes is not the first book of the Bible. I would recommend to somebody who's a new believer. Okay, uh, Ecclesiastes is not. Uh, um, it w- it's not a book of the Bible that I'd recommend to somebody who struggles with anxiety or depression. You know, you ought to really go hang out in Ecclesiastes for a long time. You know, I know you're having a hard time, so go hang out here, and things will just feel worse, probably. Okay? It, it's it's not a feel good book. Uh, Ecclesiastes, honestly, here's how I feel: it paints a fairly accurate picture about life. Uh, the author contends that there is nothing, there's this very famous, there's nothing under the sun, nothing on this planet, nothing at this school, nothing from my group of friends, nothing about the dream job, the charity that I give to, the loaded bank account, the fancy car, the attractive spouse, or perfect family that is capable of giving meaning to my life. Okay, so, so he covers the bases of things. It's not a feel-good book. Okay, um, the author of Ecclesiastes, I'm sure Sam set all this up for you guys, so I might, might not be telling you anything new, but the author is still up for debate. Okay, but one thing that we do know about the author is that they're from the lineage of kings. Okay, so the author is royalty. Okay, and so this person has been given every earthly advantage. And I, I don't know why, I just, I get this picture. Anybody ever seen those YouTube videos of those? Like those Saudi princes who are driving like million dollar cars as fast as they can on the road, and they always wreck them. Like every video is of them wrecking. You know, this this is that guy. Okay, he he's been giving every every advantage. Uh, he's got the cars, the house, the yachts, the women, the Instagram life. Okay, he's got he's got all of it. It is pristine and it is perfect. And and he, okay, the one who has everything under the sun. He determined that nothing under the sun is capable of bringing meaning to life. Okay, so, so this is somebody who's experienced more than, than most of us could ever dream of, is saying it's all meaningless. Here's what's interesting. is actually the early church contemplated about chucking this book of the Bible. They thought it, it feels kind of contrary to some of the stuff that we're trying to teach people. You know, this whole hope in Jesus kind of thing. And we kind of feel like this one's contrary. Maybe we should, you know... Take that one out, right? Control X. Gone, right? That's, so they actually contemplated that. They felt like it was a little contrary. But that being said, I want to submit that Ecclesiastes, it's a pretty, it's a pretty accurate, albeit morose, picture of what life 
is like. It's a, it's a fairly accurate, yet kind of depressing assessment of what life is like. Reading the book of Ecclesiastes can seriously bum me out. Like it, this is actually, this is actually my favorite chapter of the Bible. Sam had no idea. He, he honestly didn't. This is my favorite book of the Bible. But if I spend too much time in it, like I have this last week, it can bum me out. Okay, so it, I like it. I love the poetry. I love the images. I, I like to be contemplative and introspective. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I am high on the introvert scale, believe it or not. Okay? It's only God that's just been kind of mean and kicked me out of where I would rather be more comfortably, right? But... That's where I sit. So this kind of stuff, I'm, I'm all for it. But it's dangerous for me to spend too much time in it because it is so introspective. And what I don't like about this is that I'm confronted with how meaningless my short existence is and how pointless it is for me to work as hard as I do. But reading this book can also remind me that the pressure is actually not on me. And that's what I want to do tonight. I don't need to bring meaning to anybody else's life. I don't need to bring meaning to my life. The pressure's off. And that's what this book does for me, is that it removes the pressure. Okay? Once I get out of my introspective hole of darkness, okay, I can stand up and go, you know what? It's not my responsibility. The pressure is not on me to make things great. And See, here, here's what's crazy. I think you guys would agree with me. Our culture tells us that life is all about the pursuit of pleasure and fulfillment. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I love Instagram. I'm a big fan. I follow a lot of people on it, but but nobody posts the picture of themselves first thing out of bed. Those ones crack me up. Oh, me in the morning, you know, <laughs> after two hours of getting ready for this shot. I'm sorry. I mean, nobody posts those pictures. Nobody posts those pictures. Oh, that's a bad angle. Look how terrible I look. Unless you're hilarious. I mean, there's a few of those people that do, and they're funny, right? But, but the issue, it's not real, and we know that. But our culture tells us this. Why there's apps like Tinder, and there's, there are these. It's about pursuit of pleasure, right? right? That's what our culture is constantly telling us. But the author of Ecclesiastes has a powerful message for us. And if you write nothing down other than this tonight, fulfillment is God's business. That's right. That's right. Fulfillment is God's business. Good. It's not our business. <clears throat> That's good. Sorry, I'm getting over strap. Oh, so, I'm a little huskier than I usually am. <laughs> this makes me sound kind of manly tonight. I'm on my second round of antibiotics. This sucks. I don't think I'm contagious, so so I'll try not to sneeze. But but fulfillment is God's. When we come to the realization that fulfillment is God's business and only found in relationship with him, our perspective actually completely changes on things. Uh, And with this understanding that God is our fulfillment, we can begin to accept whatever comes our way. Okay? Whether blessing or adversity, whether filthy rich or dirt poor, whether healthy as a horse or sick as a dog. You see what I did there? None of it really matters because none of that will bring us fulfillment or take our fulfillment away. So before we go any further, and we're going to read this whole chapter. Okay, I love the beauty and imagery of this chapter. But before we go any further, into introspective land. Okay, It's a dangerous place to stay there for too long. Uh, 
You know, introspective land is actually where unicorns and rainbows go to die. <laughs> right? They were birthed, they went running, and then they died in introspective land. Okay? So we don't want to spend too much time there, but we need a filter before we kind of approach this much further. So remember this, okay? And I, have, and I want you to write it down. Fulfillment is God's business. Okay? That is the filter. In 1 Peter 1.13... I'm reading it from the New King James because it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it gives you a good picture. It's kind of weird words, but it's a good picture. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Okay, kind of weird. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This gird up idea uh, gives us a, a really graphic picture of somebody in Bible times. They would wear long flowing garments, and what they would do is they'd take them. And they'd pull them up and they'd fold them into their belt. I thought about wearing a robe tonight. I thought that was super weird. But they'd pull them up and they'd tuck them into their belt in order to allow themselves to move more freely. Okay, so it wasn't, what's weird is that they're binding something up in order to have more freedom. Okay, and so that's what he's saying here is gird up your mind. Strengthen your mind. Focus your mind on Jesus so that you can think more clearly. That's good. And then he says this, sober, sober your minds. Be sober. This implies alertness and an ability to see things correctly, right? The opposite of sober would be would be drunkenness, right? Where, where bad balance, unclear vision. Okay, they use all those tests. Hey, there's Aiden. He broke our video. <laughs> your face was on the your face was on the screen when it just froze. <laughs> it, was funny. it was totally a beast in breaking technology. He wasn't even here. Wow. So we have the opportunity to look at the scripture tonight that it, this scripture is not overtly hopeful, okay? So it's not filled with hope. It's not really very encouraging. However, the word of God is spirit-breathed and interwoven with the story and salvation of Jesus. And Jesus is hope. Amen. Okay, so Jesus is in here. It just looks a little bit dark for a moment, okay? So, so let me pray. Jesus, help us to see clearly tonight what you're speaking to us. God, would you remove from our minds, we're inundated with moral ambiguity. We're inundated with, with is there really good and bad? And, and uh, God, there's a lot of influences, intoxicating influences of a culture that cause us to be numb to who you are and, and to your incredible power. And so, uh, God, would you just sober our minds, Lord, for a, for a few moments so we can recognize and allow you to do work within our souls. Get our minds out of the way for a bit, focused on you so that you can do some, some heart stuff. Jesus, help us find hope in you because of what you have already accomplished at the cross. Help us fix our hope in you alone. We hope fully in you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, everybody's got a phone. You can download an app called YouVersion. I think if actually just type in Bible, it's probably the number one that comes up. There's billions of people that have it on their phones, but... We're going to read from Ecclesiastes 3. I'm going to read the whole thing, okay? And then, then we're just going to move on. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It's about 600 pages in or so into your Bible. It's a ways in. It's in the Old Testament. It's right after Psalms and Proverbs. Psalms is the longest book of the Bible, and then it's right after that. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. A time for everything. I love this picture. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, 
a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I conclude, there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. Eat drink and be merry. Okay, don't get stuck there, but, but it is in the Bible. Okay? Verse 14, and I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken away from it. God's purpose is that people should fear him. What is happening now has happened before. And what will happen in the future has happened before because God makes the same things happen over and over again. There's nothing new under the sun, right? The injustices of life, verse 16. I also notice that under the sun there is evil in the courtroom. Yes, even the courts of law are corrupt. I said to myself, in due season God will judge everyone, both good and bad, for all their deeds. Verse 18. I also thought about the human condition. There was a movie years ago. The guy kept saying, the human condition. But I couldn't remember what the movie was. It was really bugging me all week long. The human condition. It was the stupid finger. How God proves to people that they are like animals. For people and animals share the same fate. Both breathe and both must die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. How meaningless. Both go to the same place. They came from dust and then return to dust. For who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animals goes down into the earth? Is he alluding that all dogs go to heaven here? I'm just, I'm just wondering. He's saying we don't know. My personal opinion is no dogs go to heaven because I don't like them. But I'm just, I know. You know, I don't like something that needs me that much. If it needs me to caress it and, and love it like that. Seriously. Yeah, well, I have three children. I don't need a dog. <laughs> Sorry, I digress. Uh, verse 22. So I saw that there is nothing better for people than to be happy in their work. That is our lot in life. And no one can bring us back to see what happens after we die. So in the previous chapter of Ecclesiastes, the author covers the futility of pleasure and the futility of work, right? He's just saying, it's all futile, all of it. Happiness, work, it's all futile. And he's saying that it's useless, pointless, empty, purposeless, insufficient, trivial, unprofitable, vain, worthless, and frivolous. The thesaurus is a wonderful thing. <laughs> and then he's continuing that train of thought here in chapter 3. And right in the middle of chapter 3, he comes full circle and declares that because our lot in life is merely a drop of water in the ocean, we might as well enjoy what we do because there's really nothing else that we can do about it. It's all futile. Pleasure is futile. Work is futile. And then all of a sudden he says all this kind of stuff and then he comes back. It's all futile, so you might as well enjoy it. All right, this is not a pet talk. I mean, it's just a bummer. So if we're honest with ourselves, okay, most of us, have thoughts at some point in time, or maybe most of the time, that life might be a little bit 
meaningless. I used to own motorcycles. It's a bad idea for someone with a personality like mine, okay? Uh, I love adrenaline rushes, and so, uh, but unfortunately I found that it took a little bit more to get the adrenaline pumping, right? So I remember at one point in time, I was on my motorcycle and I was going 140 miles an hour, and then, I don't know why, but I decided to sit up. Okay, there's a reason why those guys talk when they're going that fast. Because you're a human kite when you sit, and I, I mean everything within me. My legs start sliding off the back, and I'm, you know, I managed to slam on the brakes, didn't die, obviously, and didn't wreck. But, but here's, here's the morbid thing about the motorcycle community, is that there's this really common question, when did you get in a wreck? The question is not, have you been in a wreck, or will you? The question is, when did you? Because the assumption is, you will get into a wreck. It's just the assumption. So, so you learn how to lay a bike down on its side because you know somebody's got to slam on the brakes in front of you. So you know, well, I have to slam straight into them or I drop it and slide and deal with the road rash later. You know at some point in time you'll get into an accident, which is one of the reasons why I sold my bike, because 140 miles an hour and knowing that I'm getting into a wreck at some point in time is not a good combination. Okay? It's just not a... But, but I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I love those kinds of things. The question that this passage of Scripture is asking you, or it's, it's answering, okay? It's, it's answering an assumed question. When were you feeling down? When did you realize that life is short and your contribution is minimal? Okay, when did you discover that there's nothing new under the sun? Because, see, the assumption is not that will that happen. The assumption is that it will happen at some point in time. And maybe you haven't faced that yet. And I hope you haven't. But I, I can guarantee you will, at some point in time, sit down and go, I feel low. Why do I feel low? What in the heck am I doing? Right? Is it worth it? That's the assumption. That's the, that's the question, the underlying question that it's answering for you. Because at some point in time, we all feel a bit low. My job, I'm, I'm the worship pastor at River City, which sounds really cool because it just sounds like, man, that guy gets to just like sit around with a guitar all day long, okay, and play music. Here's, here's the reality of my job. I practice my guitar and the piano in my spare time just like everybody else in the worship team, okay? My, I was going to say nine to five job, I know, whatever that is. My job, I don't do that. I'm basically an administrator, <laughs> to put it. To put it really ugly, an unusually large portion of my job can feel very meaningless. Okay, a, a, a considerable amount of my job feels meaningless. Uh, I spend hours every single week working on things that will be visible for a few minutes and then throw in the trash because I have to do it again next Sunday. How do you feel about that? <laughs> it's a little depressing, honestly. And I have faced some of this, so I'm not currently depressed right this moment, okay, but I've, I've faced some of this. So I do, you know, I did, we do these announcement videos on Sundays. Uh, stupid, I mean, I, you know, a long one is like four minutes. Here's the awful part. Gathering, writing, videoing, and editing, each four minute video, think of it this way. One minute takes about an hour. So I spend 
five to six hours a week working on something that shows for five minutes <laughs> twice on a Sunday and is chucked for next week. So that's why occasionally we do these blooper videos because it's just sheer pleasure for me to do something that's hilarious. But that's it. I mean, it's just, it's meaningless. This is why I wish we did 10 services because then I could say, well, five minutes of video got played 10 times. So at least 50 minutes, it got 50 minutes of airtime. <laughs> instead of 10 minutes of air time for five hours of work, okay? It feels a little meaningless. Uh, the graphics that go on the screen, the Sunday schedules that are sent to tech personnel and service leads and all this kind of stuff, it literally gets wadded up and thrown in the trash every single week. It's meaningless, right? That's kind of how I felt. And even the hours I spent scheduling, planning, and rehearsing with worship teams can honestly feel pretty meaningless. It's crazy how a spiritual task can feel so meaningless. And here's the worst part of it all, is I struggle with performance mentality, big time. And um, the gist of performance mentality is that I believe that my value is wrapped up in the things that I do. Okay? So the things that I do get thrown in the trash every single week, and I get to start over, is not good for someone who struggles with performance mentality. Like, oh, there's my value going down the toilet. Now I get to do it again. I've, I've struggled with this for years. And I've bought into it for years. Combine that mindset with the hours of energy expended on things that I last for such a short time. And then suddenly you find yourself. Suddenly I find myself in a complete identity crisis. About a year ago, honestly, I had a major, really, really major meltdown, like major meltdown experience. It was a day off of mine, which is also hilarious in the church world. Uh, but it was a day off, and I was supposed to be hanging out with my family. And just like many, I was going to say good pastors, let's just say idiot pastors, I had my phone on me. And so I get a telephone call from a coworker, And of course, just like everything in our lives, something needs to be done immediately, right? And let me just put this, this is nobody else's fault but my own, okay? So and it wasn't even Aiden's dad. So let's just, yeah, I just wanted to go. I don't want Aiden thinking, oh, God, what my dad did. <laughs> Nothing. It wasn't even him on the other line. That time. It wasn't him that time. <laughs> but, but this, I mean, this stuff kind of happens. And I had just worked, okay, and this isn't to toot my own horn. This is to say I'm an idiot. I just had worked 10 days straight without a day off. Okay, I, I, it had been over eight months since I had had any vacation other than just a couple days off, like a, like a normal person, like a Friday, Saturday off. I'm not saying like a couple days. I, stupid on my part. This is, this is stupidity on my part. And so I snapped. I just, I just I lost it, completely snapped. And so I'm actually standing in my closet. Um, we have a walk-in closet, so it's not like some stupid... <laughs> Standing in my closet, uh, the door was closed because I knew this is. I didn't know it was going to be a heated conversation. I knew it was a somewhat serious conversation, uh, and so I hang up the, the phone. And like a really smart individual, I hang up the phone, which is so funny that we still call it hang. Do you know why it's called hanging up the phone? Because that used to do that. I, but like even my kids, like a six-year-old and three-year-old, they're like they know how to hang up the hang up the phone. Okay. So I hang up the phone and I threw it against the wall. Because that's what you do with an iPhone, right? <laughs> and then, like a really mature adult, I get on the floor and I just start punching the floor. 
as hard as I can. Because that's what my three-year-old does, right? I snapped. I, I flipping lost it. And uh, I punched it over and over again, and, and I may or may not have used some really colorful language, okay? Um, and this is the moment, I'll say that. I say this somewhat jokingly, but this is the moment that I really knew. I, there have been some other signs before this. This is the moment that I really knew that I needed to cancel. Okay. Oh my God, I'm broken. That was it. Something is really wrong. Uh, I did start going to counseling, and that has helped tremendously. Uh, but while I was repeatedly punching the floor, something in my hand popped. And I, I know better, okay? I'm an adult. I know better than to punch a floor because it can't hit me back, but it doesn't really need to. And something in my hand popped. And my father-in-law is a physical therapist. And so uh, after several weeks of my hand being completely swelled in some weird places, and I had some really limited mobility, I had to humble myself and go talk to him just to make sure it wasn't broken. You ever see those guys that walk in? There's, there's a certain look of the cast. I can't remember. I think it's here. When, when guys have a cast like this, you almost always know that they're punching something. Because they usually break. Yeah. So anyways, and I'm just like going, oh God. Like if I end up in a cast like that, I'm going to be so embarrassed because everybody will know exactly what I did. I punched something. Okay, so I had to help myself. He checked me out. I, was, I ended up being okay, but it took a while. I, I lost mobility in my, in my wrist for a bit. But see, my fulfillment was so wrapped up in what I do and unfortunately, what I was doing felt completely meaningless. I lost sight of the fact that fulfillment is God's business, right? Completely God's business. Now, to get back to the scripture, because that's what we got to do, right? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm just going to do the verses 1 through 8 again, okay? And, and, and there's a theme here, okay? For everything, there's a season. The theme is seasons, Okay? Time for every activity under the sun. Born, die. Plant, harvest. Okay? Kill, heal. Tear down, build up. Cry, laugh. Grieve, or dance. Scatter stones, gather stones. Embrace, or take off. Search, or quit searching. Keep, throw away. Tear, mend, be quiet, speak. Time to love, time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Through this particular season of my life, I have discovered that I have a lot of unbelief. Uh, it's easy for me. Here's the, the, the disturbing part. And I actually have talked to a lot of people that believe the same thing. It's easy for me to believe that God will do a miracle in your life. But for some reason, I think that my stuff is too hard. Okay, Talk about God complex. Right? This is ridiculous. But I think I can have faith for you. God will move on your behalf and do something really cool for you. But I, but I don't think he wants to do that for me. That's where I've been. The longer I live, which I've been alive for a while now. I am now 40 years old, which is the weirdest thing. I turned 40 this year. That's like officially old. Like I could be your dad. That's weird. Especially since I have a one-year-old. So, 
There's that. <laughs> the longer I live, the more I recognize that, that just like the ocean, there's ebbs and flows, and there's changes in life, just like summer turns to fall, fall turns to winter, winter turns to spring, and spring turns back to summer. There's seasons of life. But, but here's the question for you. Okay, verses 1 through 8, there's times for these things. These things will happen, right? But the rest of that chapter, the question is, how will you choose to embrace those seasons? Because they're going to happen. Okay, just as we have them in the natural here. It's funny, and, you know, I got to go to Hawaii for a, a bit this summer. They have, like, they have a warm rainy season, and they just have, like, a warm season. That's their seasons, you know. But, but we get to experience that here in the Northwest, we have real seasons. We don't really have a real winter here, but we can watch the winter happen, right? <laughs> but there's seasons. You can feel it. The weather's been changing. It's colder at night. You know that fall is coming, right? We get to see it. I promise you that these seasons heal, kill, embrace, walk away. Those seasons will happen in your life. But the question is, how do you face them? How do you embrace them? Because they will happen. Right. It's, right. it's absolutely inevitable. Will you choose to focus on the disappointments found in pursuing pleasure and fulfillment? This season sucks, so I am not fulfilled. Right? That, that's where I have been. This season is hard. Somebody died in my life. You don't understand. You're right. I understand. I'm so sorry. But there will come a time that this season will change. How will you embrace it? Or will you focus on the fear that Life is inevitably fleeting, and your contribution is minimal, right? We can focus on that, too. Well, it doesn't even matter, right? And you can have days with that. There's permission to have days like that. This life sucks. Today is terrible. It's, you have permission to do that, but you have to come full circle. Right, right, right. There's the danger in that, is that when the season is changing... Are you changing with it? Or will you embrace the freedom found in knowing that you get to be a part of this adventure and the pressure of fulfillment and meaning is not your responsibility? If we can learn to embrace that bit, fulfillment is not my responsibility. God's responsibility is fulfillment. That's right. Then we can walk through those seasons a little less beat up. See, this major shift in our mindset changes everything. I don't enjoy this. You don't have to enjoy it. You don't. It's so funny. When, when my wife and I had our first uh, kid, we'd get lots of people, well, enjoy the time because it's so fast. I'm sorry. You can't enjoy being up at 2 a.m. with some idiot who won't go back to sleep. You guys are in college. You probably have roommates like that, okay? You don't have to enjoy that. That's just, that's idiotic. Don't tell me to enjoy that. This person is screaming in my face, right? I don't like them right now. Don't enjoy that. This is ridiculous. Yes, it's ridiculous to say that. You don't have to enjoy that, that someone in your family is struggling with cancer. You don't have to enjoy that. You don't. Right? But you get to be reminded, you know what? God is the bringer of my fulfillment. That's right. And in the midst of this hell on earth, Okay, God can fulfill my soul. God can bring me through this. Okay, I don't want to belittle anybody's situation, so please, please don't feel that way. 
But I tell you, the season will change. Amen. Yeah? Amen. That's it. Let me, let me just pray. Is that okay? That's, that seems like a really good way to wrap things up, right? <laughs> it feels weird when somebody has a sermon. Yeah. <laughs> My job. I'm part out of here. Right. Jesus, we... God, I don't... I don't enjoy some of these times. So, so I don't really want to thank you for the hard times, honestly. But I thank you that you're in the middle of the hard times. Yeah. I thank you that, that I'm never alone in the hard times. And so, um, Jesus, we, we thank you that you're here. God, this was not a real fun message, uh, so we're not going to leave this place. We'll skip to our step. But, but God, I hope that we leave this place a little stronger in our foundation, knowing that this season, too, will pass. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Right on, right on. So uh, here's the thing. I just want you guys just, we're just going to make this really quick, and then um, we're going to get into, uh, we're going we're gonna to worship together. But I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and um, I want, and Ryan brought up some really, really great things to think about and to ponder. Um, but can you just turn to somebody next to you and talk to them about the season that you're in? You know, maybe you're feel, maybe you're, you know, you're your first week here at college and it just feels kind of, maybe you feel really overwhelmed or whatever, but I just want turn to somebody next to you and, and say, you know what? I'm feeling, you know, you don't have to get super deep if you don't want to, but share with somebody what kind of season you feel like you're in right now. Uh, just as a response to this, and then we'll come back together. So just turn to somebody next to you and then uh, talk about it just for a minute. What kind of season are you in right now as a person, as a follower of Christ, as a college student, whatever it is? Go ahead and turn and talk to somebody for a minute. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Regen. If you have any questions about Regen, feel free to shoot us an email at regeneratelcsc at gmail.com. Regen, changing the world for Jesus, one person at a time.